Hey, and welcome back to Giovanni Andrioli's Movies and More, where I talk about movies and more. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm here to talk about a really fun new series of horror films on Netflix that just came out recently, and that is Fear Street. So this series of films takes place across three different time periods. The first one is set in um, 1994. The second one is set in 1978. And then the third one is set in 1666. And these track sort of the progression of this one town called Shadyside, and uh, it's very uh, traumatic history, to say the least. The the history of, of murders in the towns and the potential town curse and everything that's going around with that. And we sort of jump through these times to explore the origins of this curse and to finally cure the town of said curse. So this is a very interesting idea, I think, for a release schedule uh, more specifically. I think that the idea of doing sort of a TV show and a movie at the same time is a really fun and cool concept that I'd never really seen before. They do, um, it was like one week they did part one, and then the next week was part two, and then the, the next week was part three, and they just did it in sequential weeks. And so it's kind of like a TV show, except for every episode is a full-length movie. And I really liked that each movie was an open and closed story. I mean, there's kind of a cliffhanger at the end of the first one and and stuff that's and I think it's very intentional. But for the most part, you're getting a complete satisfying story in each one. And I really like that aspect of the storytelling. I think that that was the best way that they could go about this. And so that each film you're satisfied and you feel like you've been told a complete story and you haven't just been given a layup for the next movie. But at the same time, uh, it makes you really excited to see what happens next. And so I think they kind of hit the perfect balance with that i listened to an interview with the director of all three films it's the same uh woman lee janik janiak i think i guess i don't know not totally sure how to say her last name but i listened to an interview with her and i thought she was very interesting and uh what she was going for with this movie and her uh, the, the way she talked about the process of making it and everything she did a really good job of explaining it and and kind of uh, cluing you into where the idea came from and how they took it to, from concept to the the screen and I, I liked listening to her. But one of the things that I thought was really cool that she said was she kind of wanted to give the vibe of something that you would sneak from your parents. So like uh, when it was back in her day, it was like a rental or, you know, borrowing from a friend, uh, uh, a horror movie that's like, you know, it, it's kind of gory and it and it's pretty awesome. And like you really want to see it, but your parents aren't super keen on it. So you kind of got to sneak it. And she wanted to kind of harken back to the feeling that she got when she was a kid watching such movies. And she, I think, really did a great job of achieving that. I think with if you know that's what she was going for going in and then you watch it through that lens, she did a really good job of capturing that kind of spirit. Uh, I felt like this was a very solid entry level horror film. You know, something you would watch is like a um, an early teenager, like, you know, late middle school, going into high school type of thing. I think that this works perfectly for that. You know, it's not like super abstract, very heady horror. This is the Babadook or something, but it is uh, a series of movies that are very fun throwbacks. And they've got a lot of classic elements from uh, older slashers and, and classics of the genre. And it explores these different eras. And in each different era, you kind of get distinctly different styles of storytelling and filmmaking. And I really enjoyed that. I thought that was a really cool choice. And just the way that everything looks, you know, the aesthetic and the vibe that they're going for, it really does have that feel of something that like, 
you know, for this filmmaker, it was like the 80s and 90s, you know, like when you would sneak a video rental and go watch something when you weren't supposed to, you know, like huddled up in the dark watching Halloween, maybe a couple years before you're really ready for it or whatever, and like scaring yourself shitless. I think it has that that vibe totally. I really see what she was going for. And I thought that was really cool. And when it comes to each movie, to each movie, I'm going to break them down um, individually and talk about them in order. Uh, we, can, we can start with the first one, obviously. I think that the first one was definitely my second favorite. I wasn't as crazy about the first half. I think that one of the biggest things in this movie in particular is a lot of these lines and a lot of the ways the characters talk. It's like, okay, it's not how teenagers talk. And I get that it's really hard to, to nail that well. There's very few pieces of entertainment that do a good job of it because it's just so specific. And if they wanted to be realistic about it, a lot of it would just be really vulgar and wouldn't really make sense a lot of the times and isn't really like furthering a plot or anything. It's just kind of bullshit. And so I get that they kind of have to heighten it to some degree. But for me, I think that it was just a lot of it was kind of distracting and it's just like, this isn't how teenagers act. This is how they talk. You know, it, it was just something that was a big hurdle for me. But as the movie went on, I kind of settled into it and I think it really picks up in the second half. And as you start to unravel the mystery and as the kills start to start coming in, you know, more and more rapid pace and they're pretty badass and stuff. I think that was when the movie really had me. And I definitely liked the idea of it being a, um, a 90s slasher film. They did a really good job setting up this town and like setting up the characters within it. And then you get, you really get that vibe. I mean, right now I'm sitting on the IMDb page for this film, as I always do when I'm talking about these movies. Uh, and I'm looking at like, there's, you know, there's like the poster and then right next to it is the trailer. And the trailer has uh, like the, the thumbnail is when the skull face killer dude breaks into her house and is like going through her clothes and uh and that frame i mean this looks like something from scream or something like that like it just looks like a, a different costume or whatever but it does look like something you would see in that era and i think that is one of the coolest things about it there's the whole thing of like the babysitters and they're calling each other there's like the bad boyfriend it's a lot of kind of hallmarks of 90s slasher films and i really like that uh the the way they start to build up the story and they start to plant the seeds for things that will eventually uh you'll see later thought they did a really good job of that too when you're talking about the town and everything and you're getting kind of a brief history of it from um from the main character's brother uh, i love that montage of all the killers that was really cool and creepy and uh I really liked that when it comes to the climax, you're kind of twisting how you would usually think that this would end. It's about, it's actually about killing one of the main characters rather than uh, trying to save them. And I thought that was a really cool twist, how they're trying to kill, kill her in a way where she can be brought back so that they've sort of tricked the killers into thinking that she's dead. And like, you know, so the curse can be like, okay, she's dead. And then all the, you know, the killers are sort of just drones through this, the witch's curse. They can finally just stop because she's dead. So they have no purpose anymore. And so they'll go away. I thought that was a really cool idea. And I think it was a little bit clunky how they built up to it. In particular, the fact that, um, one of our main characters who are supposed to like and root for like the relationship with um with her and uh josh i thought that was kind of weird that she was like you need to die that's it you need to die and she's like you know she's she's trying to explain the whole rationale for it it's like no i i get 
why, but it's kind of awkward that it's not the person who has to sacrifice herself suggesting that. Like, it would have been totally fine if you even give the same dialogue to the actual um the actual girl to to sam and you and she's like wait i i get it i have to die and she's like you know replace replace the actual dialogue which is like you have to die you have to this with i and it's totally fine and you just give it to sam and it's like you know that that whole thing of like you, you know you've seen it a thousand times or it's someone it's like that's it i have to do it and then everyone's like, no, no, you can't. It's like, this is my choice or whatever the hell. You know what I mean? Like, it could totally be a moment like that. And I think it plays a little bit smoother than like one of your friends being like, hey, you need to die. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> so I thought that was a little bit weird. But, um, you know, it, it is what it is. And they are kind of blase about the whole thing. It's just like, yeah, we got to kill you or whatever. Just got to take these pills in the right order. And then we'll stick you with adrenaline and bring you back. It's like, I mean... But you are like basically medically uh, assisted suiciding your friend slash girlfriend. Like what? I don't really know what's going on here. And it's kind of weird that it's it's so mundane almost the way they treat it. But yeah, uh, the meat grinder kill was sick. Also in that sequence, that was one of the that, actually I think that was the best kill in this uh, whole series. I think it could have done with some more cool and creative kills. That was really the only one I found very memorable. A lot of the rest is just an axe to the head or a knife to the head or whatever. It's, you know, kind of basic. Uh, and then once you get to that final cliffhanger and that thought that was really sick. So then we get into part two, 1978, which was my favorite of all of them by far. I think this was a really cool movie. It has a great throwback vibe. I talked about that with the 90s one, but I think even more so here. This really feels like a 70s or 80s horror movie. The fashion, the killer, the camp setting. It's really, really cool. And I really liked all the characters here. I like how the the killer eventually emerges and how all that sort of uh, starts to unravel. And I really, really like the look of him. I think this is the coolest looking killer. And that was just, you know, that that look, it's so intimidating. The idea that you're going to have to fight your your boyfriend. And for a lot of them, it's like, you know, it's the, the little kids. It's like, it's their counselor. So he like comes up to them and they're like, they're like, um, you know, whatever his name is, counselor, whoever the hell. And then he's like, kills them it's like damn you know it's it's pretty it's pretty gruesome and it was a really cool idea i liked all of that and i think that this movie in particular is charming for a lot of the same reasons that stranger things is charming it is a movie which is really steeped in this aesthetic and it really feels like you're living in a, a past time period like you just you're really like steeped in that aesthetic and, and those songs and all that stuff. Actually, that's something that throughout this entire series is really great. The music, the soundtrack is is really, really cool. Uh, the director said that it was a lot of just her favorite songs when she was a kid. And I think that really shines through. It feels very authentic and it feels like it just sets the mood perfectly. I really like that about it. But in terms of the some of the characters and some of the story that we're getting in this movie, I really liked how it helps start to put some of the pieces together but it still leaves a lot on the table so it it definitely leaves you excited for three and ready to figure out how exactly this all started and and how they're going to end it and it it gives you a lot to be to, to question going into the next film but it does give you a lot of puzzle pieces 
and it fills in certain gaps to keep you interested and keep you trying to actively figure out like, wait, so how does and who and what are the rules and whatever. I thought that was really cool. It functions perfectly as a middle chapter in that way. Um, I like that it also it sets up some stuff that you saw in the first film and didn't totally understand what it meant yet. Um, and then it also shows you some characters, like younger versions of characters that you didn't realize that you were um, you were going to meet. Like, I didn't, I didn't expect that going in, but then you, you're like, Oh, it's, it's the sheriff guy and stuff like that. Like, I thought that was cool. I liked that you're kind of building out this town and sort of, it, it feels more realistic that way. Like you're setting up this stuff and, and you're uh, explaining it more and exploring it as much as it could be. I think that's really cool. It just makes it feel like a, a living, breathing place. And like, they gave this a lot of thought and it doesn't make it the world feel smaller like it does in in a lot of movies where it's like this is this character but younger and you know like prequels and stuff i think it actually does a better job of that because this is a small town and people don't really leave and everybody stays in a pretty close-knit community it makes a lot more sense here and it just helps the world feel more fleshed out and so i enjoyed that choice and then the uh the build-up to to the to the next film it, it does leave you on a really great note and just in general i liked all the build-up uh in in the film in like throughout not just to the third film but to the killer and to starting to figure out these next pieces of the the curse and the story i thought that was really really exciting like all the stuff with just the characters hanging around and like kicking it at camp and the conflicts between certain members of this camp and everything that was some of my favorite stuff um, that was like just it was just so interesting to me. I think it it worked better in this one than any of the other movies. And the the arc of um, of Cindy and her trying to, you know, finally coming to terms with the fact that her life isn't as perfect as she'd like to pretend it is. And the fact that she's been a bad sister and um, and kind of coming to terms with that before ultimately sacrificing herself. I just thought that was really intriguing and it didn't feel like, okay, come on, let's get to the killer already. It felt like I would spend a lot more time here. I mean, this could be its own TV show and I would really like it. Uh, and then when it comes to the actual lead, um, I just want to throw in that Sadie Sink is just really great as this type of character. She's very instantly likable. You're sort of on her side immediately throughout the whole film and you want to see her win and get out alive. And then the fact that she is this character who they're coming to now, who is like the only survivor and she's the only one with all this knowledge and stuff. And you get to see how her story played out and how it ultimately ended in tragedy and everything. I just, man. Yeah, this was a really cool movie. I would definitely watch this again just by itself. I think this is a this is a pretty badass movie. And this is my favorite era of horror movies. So I think that's part of the reason I liked it so much. But yeah, this was definitely my favorite of the three. So when it comes to part three, this is probably my least favorite. Uh, I liked it, but I didn't love it. The third film, you know, it's the one where they tie everything up and they explain everything. And so once all the pieces start to fall together and you sort of get that twist with good is evil, which someone patted themselves on the back for that one. Uh, that was cool. And I liked all that. But I think it's just something about the setting. Um, you know, I'm glad it was only really the first half because once it cuts to back to 1994 and then it hits you with that super, you know, a super grabbing title card that's in all three movies where it's like, and there's like the you know the, the title comes up and there's like the blood splatter and everything 
I thought that was really cool. And it's like part two. And I was like, oh, all right. All right. I'm back in. But when we were in the 66 stuff, I'm just, I don't know. I know there's totally valid horror movies that are kind of set in this very old timey time period. Like um, Sleepy Hollow is a really great film that uses that sort of classic horror atmosphere and that small settlement type of, of um type of story like as a, for the setting and, and i i like that movie a lot i've reviewed it on here before and i really enjoyed it um something like the witch that's uh, also a great example of a horror movie with this type of setting for me i just really like the throwback like 90s and 70s kind of 80s films so much better i i really liked pulling from all those archetypes and those tropes much better i just thought it was more fun and more uh, interesting to me. This is just a setting where it's just, there's not a ton that you can do. And, and so it just, I don't know, it just wasn't totally for me. And I think really it's not their fault at all. I think that this just comes down to personal preference. But, um, for me, this one, it was much more interesting as soon as we got out of the 1600s time period. There was a lot of things that I liked though. That's, you know, I wouldn't totally write it off. I think it's, uh, it's really cool how, they sort of set up this town and you're starting like you, you realize how long some of these generations of families have been in this town. Uh, it's cool to see like the, the way that this town works and everything and, and like the, uh, the, the kind of good things about it. And then some of the darker, more evil things about it. And then like just seeing that aesthetic and stuff, there is something kind of inherently creepy about a lot of it. It just feels dirty and dingy and it just, you know, it, it kind of puts you in, in sort of the headspace of like, okay, something bad is definitely on the brink of happening. And, and I thought that was, you know, that was kind of cool. Uh, they did a good job of, of really like putting you into that aesthetic again, like the other two movies, it does feel very, uh, genuine, but I don't think that like they really did as much as they could have with some of that. Like, I really liked the creepy hood thing that they put on in like that, the, cave where they do the ceremony and they they say the name and everything like that was so cool they could have done more with that i think that more scenes like that more uh characters who were part of this cult or whatever like in those creepy robes would have been awesome i think that they could have done more with the possessed pastor because you you come in and, and it's this church pews full of murdered children and then he's got that creepy ass hook and he has no eyes and he's just rapping on the thing and and everyone's losing their minds and it's like that's cool that's so creepy but that's really all you get in terms of like a horror villain in this section of the film it's so disappointing that they don't do more with him and i was so so mad that he never came back because to me that kill of like the the ripping out the eyes and then the fact you know just his general look that long hair and all black and the hook and the and the the like bloody eyes just like ah that's eerie that's a really cool looking horror design and they never bring him back i was so disappointed by that but I mean, regardless, for for when he is on screen, I think he's really cool. And that was one of my favorite parts about the movie. Uh, and then it is very tragic to see how this all winds down, um, how she gets framed for something that she didn't do and ends up taking the blame to save um, her love. And and it's, you know, it's pretty tragic and it's it's pretty disturbing and messed up to, you know, when they finally hang her and everything. It really got me thinking about how insane it is that back then you could just be like, 
this lady's a witch. And everyone was like, yup, no questions. Let's fucking kill her. And then the entire town would come to this tree and they'd be like, hang the witch. And it would be just like she was reading or like she was in the wood late at night with another girl. Like, and they're just like, oh, she's practicing witchcraft. Like, what the hell? That was so crazy to me. Um, that's not like a knock against the film or really, you know, I'm not really saying it in one way or the other. It's just something that really blew my mind, you know, to think about the fact that there was a point in time in this country where you could just be like, yeah, that's a witch. And everyone was like, yeah, that makes sense. Totally valid. You know, like this thing that we made up. Yeah, this she's definitely that for real. It's like, what? Doesn't even make sense. Uh, yeah, that's just crazy to me. But um, yeah, I think that it definitely picks up once they get out of that time period. There's like good stuff in it. But for me, it's just not really my personal preference in terms of where I like to spend my time in a film. Uh, and then the way everything wraps up, I think it's pretty cool and creative. I like seeing all the killers come back those cages do look pretty flimsy to be honest. So I think the plan is like cool and it's, and it's creative and it's got a really cool look to it. Like they do a lot with the fluorescent colors and the black light and everything. But when they lock them in those dinky ass cages, I was like, okay, this dude has an ax and they're all like super strong reincarnated uh, or whatever, reanimated like dead corpses of serial killers. There's no way they can't break through this little tiny cage. So that kind of, that's that stretched the reality of it a little bit for me i was just like okay but then he just breaks right through it uh still though i think the plan was cool i think the way it all wrapped up and how the final kill goes down was really cool and seeing all the characters sort of live out their happy endings and kind of finally relieve the curse i think that was really satisfying i was happy to witness that whole journey with this character these characters and then to see that final last cliffhanger where you know the there's the book and then someone grabs it and that's it it's like oh please let there be more because i would love to see this keep going this is something that i think does a premise like this a million times better than something like stranger things now i have a hot take on stranger things and i don't know if i've ever said this before on the podcast but i think stranger things should have ended with season one or at least transitioned into a new type of show stranger things is not specific to that era that uh, that town, those characters, those villains, nothing. There's nothing about it that is like very specifically about this. You know, if you did a Batman 2 and it was like Superman, you'd be like, wait, that's what the hell? Stranger Things could be anything. What are other strange things? What are what's going on in other towns around the country in the 80s? What's going on in the 90s? Let's go to the 70s, maybe even, I don't know, 1666. Like I'm just saying, I think that there was so much more that could have been done. They could have spoofed other old tropes. There could have been killer robots or aliens or there could have been so much because what they've done is just done the same mystery and the same exact villain over and over again with like one slight twist and it just gets really boring and they've started stopped putting as much thought into really the aesthetic or like uh, getting time accurate uh, details like as perfect as possible and so it just kind of feels like any other show and I think it should have gone on to be an, an anthology series something kind of akin to American Horror Story or something so the fact that this has already started off by being like no 
this does have an overarching story, but within that overarching story is a bunch of other different stories. And those stories take place in different time periods, involve different characters and different killers and different monsters, whatever. That's such a cool idea. And this could go on forever. There's so much that could be mined from a, a premise like this. So I really hope that this keeps going with with or without these characters. I think it'll, it could totally work. There's so much more that they could do here. And I just I hope they do because I really enjoyed these films. I would highly recommend them if you are a fan of of old school horror movies, if you're a fan of just fun uh, kind of no pressure or movies that are just, you know, just a blast to watch. And, and you got some cool kills, cool characters, cool villains. I think this would be right up your alley. There's really not that much that I would say is super wrong with it. Like I said before, some of the dialogue is a little bit, is a little bit awkward. I kind of wish they would have done more with certain killers. And, um, I think that sometimes it can be like just a, a little bit, uh, less interesting depending on what time period you're in. But still, overall, I think this works great as individual films. This works great as a trilogy. This is a pretty awesome idea, and I think they do a great job. So I would definitely recommend these movies. Fear Street, A-plus for me. All right, before I get out of here, I want to say that I am grateful for... Uh, my beach trip that is coming up, I leave in an hour from now, or wait, no, an hour and a half. Uh, so I'm very close, never been closer until this point. Uh, we're going on a beach trip with uh, two of my friends. We're going down to the Jersey Shore. We're going to have a blast. We got all kinds of stuff planned, golf, jet skiing, hitting the boardwalk, obviously the beach and all kinds, of, just whatever we get into. I'm so there for it. I can't wait to set sail. Uh, it's like T minus an hour and 29 minutes now. So I'm very excited, and I can't wait to talk more about that on a future episode. But uh, in the meantime, I'm just really grateful for the opportunity, and I can't wait to go. All right. You know the drill. Rate, view, subscribe, rate your podcast. Five stars are super helpful. After that, you can go ahead and tell a friend about the show if you think they would enjoy it. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to spread the word about the show. So thank you if you've done all that, and thank you in advance if you're going to. But in the meantime, thank you as always for listening. That's the most important thing that you do for me. And yeah, until next time. You smell like an androgynous baby. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>